The download is complete. Welcome to the AV Forums podcast, presented by Phil Hinton. Hello and welcome to the AV Forums Home Cinema Podcast. This month we are coming to you live from the What Hi-Fi and Best of Stuff show. And joining me on the show floor is the AV Forums technical editor, Neil Davidson. Hi, Neil. Hi, Phil. So we're going to set out on the show floor this morning. We're going to go and have a look around and speak to some people. Anything that you're looking forward to? Um, Today I'm hoping to see some good projector demos, Phil, uh, and also hopefully see some interesting developments from the LCD panel camp. Okay, so uh, that's what we're looking forward to, and we'll go and hit the show floor right now. This is the AV Podcast. So I'm with Adrian Brundle from CSE Solutions. Hello, Adrian. Uh, hello, Phil. So um, you've got quite a big stand here, a lot of products. Just uh, tell our listeners who can't make it along to the show, what is he showing this weekend? Uh, well, the One Hi Fi show, we were very pleased to receive the uh, award for best projector for Infocus's Ion82, which is a full HD uh, 1080p DLP projector. And at the show, we have a variety of other uh, products as well. Uh, a particularly exciting one for ourselves is a, a new company called Geneva, who have a uh, basically an iPod docked Hi Fi system that allows you, as a completely self contained unit, one unit, to have a complete entertainment system. It uh, uses a system called Embracing Sound that gives you a very wide dispersion of sound rather than a hot seat, rather than one location. You can listen throughout the whole um, property. And part of the theme uh, beyond in, in focus is, is an iPod uh, based to a lot of the products that we have. So speakercraft multi-room system that can control iPods, a portable unit that can also allow you to dock in um, an iPod um, as well. It's such a popular means of listening to music that we thought it would be nice to allow people to actually see that it isn't just a portable unit. It is actually a great entertainment system um, as well. Now, the Geneva's caught my eye yesterday when I had a look around your stand. iPod just pops in on the top. Uh, It's one speaker at the front and I understand two tweeters, is that correct? Each of them um, has uh, a minimum of two base units and two tweeters. They are all independently powered, so even the smallest unit actually uses four power amplifiers, one power for each drive unit. Um, And then you have uh, what's called embracing sound, which is an algorithm, a processing system that's applied to the signal that gives you a far wider dispersion of spread of sound than would normally be the case. And in doing so, it eliminates uh, a hotspot. There's no such thing as, a, as the perfect seat in the house. The music is distributed throughout the room. It's very even. As you're moving around, the sound isn't, isn't changing. Um, and you have a, a little Model M, which is the smallest um, um, of, the, of the range, with a plug-in connector. And then going up, uh, the L, which uses a larger uh, base unit, much more powerful uh, amplifiers, and an integrated dock. And the largest model, the XL, which is uh, an incredible unit. Uh, two 8-inch base units, two 5 and a quarter inch mids, two 1-inch tweeters, each powered by its own 100-watt power amplifier. You could kind of call it sort of the ultimate party animal in, in a sense. But very, very elegant, very intuitive, integrated CD player as well. And the response has been superb for people that really want music rather than equipment 
within their uh, living living environment. And you can plug in other things. You can happily plug in DVD players. So as a self-contained AV system, it works particularly uh, particularly well. And it's a, a, a very wide uh, listening area. So this looks like the kind of product that would be for someone who's normally on the move with their iPod. They come home, they want a bit of music, they just dock their iPod into it, whack it up, and it, and it is an incredible sound. I heard it yesterday in the demo room, and it is, for, for what it is, it's with just one big box, but the sound from it is quite quite impressive. Absolutely, no, thank you. I mean, it's it, the response has been uh, been wonderful, because so often it's the technology that tends to be the focus rather than the fun that you can have with it, and actually something that, that lives within your home and lives around you rather than surrounding you with, uh, with boxes. And as I say, that for us it's been very encouraging to actually work with a company that is interested in offering... I would say real-world solutions rather than just technology for its own sake. And as I say, the uh, the response has been absolutely wonderful. So uh, no, we're looking we're looking forward to um, getting getting it out into the market even more. So absolutely. Now another product I noticed, which is if you don't want a big box in your room, then you can hang your speakers on the wall. Uh, just explain what we we're looking at here. Yes, um, it's a company called Audio Gallery that we're working with, and um, what we have uh, done is we've actually taken a range of speakercraft uh, in-wall speakers, which are specifically designed to work within a small enclosure. But within the UK and Europe, in-wall speakers tend not to be as popular as, as an in-ceiling. So what we've done is created dedicated enclosures specifically designed for the particular models, and uh, the customer can then choose precisely the finish that they want the exact colour of the frame, whether it's a painted lacquered finish or wood veneers. You can have pretty much any pattern you want on the, on the acoustic transparent grills. Uh, you could have photographs, uh, wedding photographs, sort of uh, baby photographs, whatever you want. So it actually becomes a real part of furniture of the home itself, literally disappearing from, uh, from view. Um, so again, similar to Geneva, allowing um, uh, music and entertainment to exist within the home without ever dominating it. Um, and that, we think, is a, is a, is a very important uh, consideration. Now, moving away from uh, what could be classed as lifestyle products, but very, very interesting products, we'll come over to your projectors because this is where um, I feel that most of our uh, community of listeners, their interests are focused on basically the in-focus projectors. Absolutely. Now, you have... Have your new uh, award winner in there. Just explain uh, what that is. Absolutely, it's uh, the Unfocus Ion82, which is a dark chip three 1080p DLP uh, projector, um, 1100 uh, uh, ANSI lumens. Um, all of the figures for Unfocus projectors are always video based rather than data based. They are extremely bright, very vibrant uh, images. Um, also, as well for each of the models, um, they are individually uh, calibrated to what's known as a D65 video standard. So they're out of the box uh, appearance is the, the, the default is exceptionally good um, also um, for the 82 and the 81 which is the dark chip 2 1080 uh, um, model um, they are both um, um, ISF um, they can both be ISF calibrated so for an installer it actually allows you to optimize each projector to the screen and to its environment actually taking um, the calibration and the optimization of the unit even further so the uh, the 81 and the 82, they've got the day and night settings for, for the ISF calibration? Absolutely, absolutely. And is everything menus-based within the, the in-focus? It, it, it is, um, although one of the nice things is the fact that you actually have um, direct access to image presets. Um, so from a customer's point of view and from an installer's point of view, it allows them 
to optimize the uh, the unit for the client so that they can then choose between uh, high ambient light, say for sort of gaming, this sort of thing, or TV watching, or for dedicated home home cinema um, uh, watching. When rather than having to go into the menu, they can literally can hit hit favorite buttons for that to uh, to happen. Um, they're extremely friendly to both from an installer's point of view, but also uh, from a client's point of view. They're behaving like television sets rather than having to be sort of heavily menu uh, menu driven. So also with the the Infocus, I understand uh, they're all HDMI? They are indeed, yes. There are two HDMI inputs and they're both HDMI 1.3. So uh, as technology progresses, um, both units are totally capable of accepting um, the future developments within uh, Blu-ray and HD DVD uh, players. And that's always been at the heart of Infocus uh, design to actually look forward rather than... Uh, um, uh, standing on their laurels and uh, we've been very pleased I have to say that um, it's, a, it's a great accolade for us and obviously the other big buzzword at the moment is 1080-24 so are you projectors set up for, for 24 play- playback? they are indeed absolutely absolutely um, straight, straight out of the box so um, all current existing formats um, um, are totally handled um, correctly by, by both uh, 81 and 82 just to mention, I mean, um, Infocus do work um, uh, diligently with a lot of manufacturers of Blu-ray, HD, and DVD players in order to ensure that they're not actually working in, in isolation, that the units themselves will work in the real world. So with uh, PS3s, as we're showing um, here, as well as with a variety of other uh, companies, and that ensures for the, for the client's point of view that they can happily connect in uh, the units that they want and they will work particularly well. Just before we go and just before we leave you to get back to the stand, uh, CSA, you also distribute uh, Lexicon in the UK. Um, we're moving on to the new audio formats. Is there anything in the bag from Lexicon to deal with uh, True HD, DTS, Master Audio, etc.? Well, in the, uh, in the, uh, the new MC12 um, HD... Whilst it um, does not include its own decoding, uh, because it will handle uh, 1080p, including 1080p 24 frames per second, um, with the decoding in a player itself, you can feed that straight through to an MC12 as 5.1 PCM, straight through to the unit uh, itself. for Lexicon, uh, it's, this is uh, an evolutionary uh, period that they're going through. And I have to say that um, for ourselves, we've actually been very, very, very pleased because where Lexicon um, view audio is similar to in focus in terms of a very even-handed approach. And so rather than uh, sort of jumping on uh, the bandwagon, as it were, they're actually assessing what's going on. And there are some interesting things. Um, I can't talk about them, but there's some really cool things that are into the future. So uh, watch this space, I would say. Well, all the best for the rest of the show, and thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to come and speak to us on the podcast. Thank you, Phil. You're welcome. Thanks for your time. The biggest news and the best, best, best reviews. Best reviews. Hard, tiring work. You're listening to the AV Podcast. So, another year, another What High Fine Best of Stuff show, and we bang in again to Ed Selly, uh, forum regular, and uh, here with Cambridge Audio. How are you, Ed? I'm not so bad, sir. Yourself? Yes, my feet are very sore at this well, moment in time. Been round the show a few a times now. An affliction for both of us, isn't it? But uh, no, otherwise it's uh, yes, it's another show. Our first time in a room rather than on booth, which has been um, better for setup. It's been uh, better for actually getting products sp- spread out and uh, run properly, and um, gives us a sort of a, a nice sort of base of operations rather than sort of continuously having people running through, knocking stuff over, and <laughs> generally making a complete hours of things. So otherwise, that, it, it's all been it's all been pretty good. Now, the main thrust last year was multi-room. What are you doing this year in this room? You've you've just given us a quick brief rundown of everything, but just for our listeners that can't make it along to the show, what do you actually have in the room? This year we are 
focusing extremely hard on audio, both stereo and multi-channel. Um, we can't hide the fact that at the moment we are not an HD producing producing manufacturer, but we are running continuous demonstrations of stereo and multi-channel products. We're giving it the beans more often than not, and just reminding people that you know this is what this is what we do. It's been very very unusual because. Perhaps because we're not running a constant video focus, I've spent as much time talking about turntables and cartridge matching, and I've, I've genuinely enjoyed myself doing so. It takes some of the pressure off, as opposed to running continuous, high-intensity home cinema demonstrations, which really does begin to take it out of you. And once you've seen the same film 13 or 14 times, you begin to lose the will to live. Well, there is that fact, isn't there? That you can go from demo to demo and see the same film clips over and over again. Yeah, um... You, you, you've got to choose your material carefully, and unfortunately that does limit limit what happens. Um, one of the, the mo- most fun things you can do is with music DVDs is actually have a look at the catalogue of stuff that was released sort of 2000 and 2001 that everyone's forgotten about, and um, and then wheel that out. It's like, and then most of the time people go, is this new? And you're know, actually quite the opposite, but at least no one else is showing it, so it makes a big difference. So uh, new products in the room there, uh, nice little integrated amplifier. Tell us about that one. That's the version 2 of the 840. Um, it's in stores in extraordinarily limited quantities now. We've had some fun and games with production. Um, much, much more of them will be available from December. Um, it's a, a, just a, a gentle rework of our exist, uh, of the, uh, the older 840A version 1. Uh, a couple of detail changes, boosts the sound quality and uh, irons out a, a lot of, gets a lot of the feedback that we've had worldwide about how to make it better has just been implemented. It's the first of that type of amplifier we've ever built. So um, effectively, enormous amounts of information was available within six months that allowed us to start working on and making detailed improvements to the product. Um, and we're not actually increasing the price of it either, so everyone's a winner. Yeah, that's, that's great. And also, first time I've actually had set eyes on your DVD player. It's been out a little while, but it's the first time it's been on any show. Yeah, it's the, it, it, euphemistically, it's 540D version 2. Um, actually, the only thing it has in common with the version 1 are the top panel and the side cheeks, but um, it looks similar enough. It's... Um, very, very uh, bare-bones product. It's literally DVD, CD only, um, upscales to a mere 1080i, but um, what we've focused on is just getting the basics right. It's a surprisingly good CD player. Um, you can actually uh, shock a lot of people when you just run it as a, as a connected to a stereo amplifier, and um, we like to think the picture isn't, isn't, um, isn't, isn't too shabby either. Um, obviously, it's a, it's a low-profile product when you've got you know Pioneer two rooms down with, with some truly stonking demonstrations, but there's still a, still a bit of life left in DVD and it's going to be a, a nice transition product for us whilst we finally make a decision as to where we're going to go as regards future formats. So what's the upscaling um, engine in there? It is, um, if you like, an under-licensed for Rooster. We use a, um, we, we, we use a basic solution, uh, a sort of developer package from MediaTek, um, which includes their, their scaler, which I believe is a license-built item and then we work on the bits that we are we are happiest with power supplies uh chassis type transport isolation just trying to get a bit bit more general performance out of out of the 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 basic software um we're a bit small to actually have full control over our dvd solution which is always a bit of a shame but the results are still pretty good and it does mean that our product is is quite a bit cheaper than some of the more bespoke items out there Ed, it's always great to catch up with you at these types of things. Um, also, very good to read your posts from time to time. <laughs> I agreed with your other one the other day about the motorway drivers and sunglasses. Uh, it leaves me fuming with rage, impotent rage, what can I say? But yes, thanks, and uh, I'm sure we'll be posting again shortly. For up-to-the-minute AV discussion and hardware reviews, visit avforums.com. 
So we're here in the Mission Audio Lab room, and I'm with David Patching. David, we've just been looking at the new Audio Lab uh, uh, processor there. Uh, stunning, stunning bit of kit. Tell us about it. Oh, thank you very much. Well, it's really the culmination of uh, four years, four years work, and it's a completely new design. I know a lot of there's been a lot written about the process already, and I've been keeping an eye on the forums. And there's been a lot of discussion about whether this is just going to be a development of where the old TMA, AV32R and the 192 uh, were, whether this is actually going to be a, uh, a true next-generation receiver. And absolutely it is. This has been a completely ground-up design. It's designed purely as an audio processor. So we've not included any video switching, upscaling. It has two HDMI inputs, but... In all other respects, it is a pure audiophile pre-amplifier and has been designed very much as such. What it does is it strips the audio layer off the HDMI. It can take eight channels of linear PCM at 2496. Um, and in addition to that, it has all the analog inputs um, that you would expect. It has 5.1 bypass. Uh, it was ben- benchmarked, of course, against the 192R, and um, you know we're very, very happy with the results. Yet this is a, an affordable processor that, you know, is absolutely dedicated towards high fidelity audio. So is this the first time that this uh, processor has been seen in the UK? First time it's been seen anywhere in the world. And uh, what kind of price are we talking about once this actually hits the retail? Uh, retail price, and bearing in mind this will be on the streets in about three weeks' time. Uh, retail price will be a thousand pounds for the processor. The seven-channel power amplifier is. Uh, Already available, uh, the 8000X7, which was derived from the Tower McLaren 7007R. And that's already available, as I say, in the shops for about £1,500. So the system as a whole, uh, £2,500. We're using it here with a, a PS3 source, but we are planning on developing our own uh, media, uh, media centre uh, to run as a front end with it as well. Now, I'm just going to go over to Neil here because, Neil, we've had you know, five minutes to, to sit and listen, but it's not a long enough time to, to give a definitive view, but for the five minutes we've been sitting and listening to it, very impressive. Very impressive. Um, we've been at the show now for two days, Phil, and had a chance to listen to most of the stuff here, and it's one of the first products that's really grasped me as being surprisingly good um, in this particular show environment, so full credit to Audiolab for such a good design. Now, um, it's going to hit the stores three weeks' time. Uh, great price. Uh, when can we see one uh, hitting our review stand then? Uh, well, as soon as, we've got, as soon as we've got availability in the UK. And basically, we're, we're pretty much ready to go. We would, the reason it's been delayed, and I, I realise that it has been delayed, originally we were planning to launch in July, um, we're just waiting for the final HDMI approval. Uh, I don't know if you're aware, but as a manufacturer, when you first go through the HDMI approval process, it's, it, it it's, can be a very uh, quite quite an ordeal. Um, but we're now through that, um, and you know, we'll be good to go very very shortly. And you can be rest assured that you'll be getting one of the first first units out for review. Okay, well that's great, and uh, it's a fabulous product. If nobody's uh, had the chance to get down this weekend, uh, where can they get information on the product? Uh, have a look on the website. Uh, it, it's, it's quite well hidden, or it will be up until next week when I'm. Uh, now we've got the HMI approval, I can start uh, disseminating some information. Um, by all means, give us a call, and we'll send out. We have some literature on the on the product, uh, which is downloadable from the website. It's in our current brochure. Um, but expect to see a lot more on it in the very near future. And the website address is www.audiolab.co.uk. 
That's great, and uh, thanks very much for taking the time to speak to us on the podcast. Very welcome, thank you. It's more than just stuff. I would deem it excellent. This is the AV Podcast. So it's not just uh, home cinema and the AV that we're looking at, we're also looking at the multimedia angle. It's, uh, it's becoming the big hot potato at the moment, mobile access to the internet and so on. And I'm with Phil Mott from uh, Nokia. Hello, Phil. Hi there. Now, just explain to us what you're actually showing on your stand, and I understand it's a nifty little gadget, the 810. That's right, we're launching today in the UK the Nokia N810 internet tablet. It's, uh, it's not a phone, it's a mobile internet device, and uh, it's really designed, it's a, it's a product which is designed to give you a desktop class internet experience, but in a pocketable form factor. So just explain to our listeners who maybe don't understand what, what that means, um, just what the, the device actually does. Well, there's four main experiences you get from the device. First and foremost, it's all about web browsing. You, it's uh, the best device in the world that will fit in your pocket where you can easily go to sites like YouTube, Facebook, Flickr, just check your, you know, your new, the BBC News website even, for example. And anything the Internet throws at this device, this device will basically be able to handle it. Videos, pictures, so forth. Um, secondly, it's about communication. It supports uh, applications like Skype, Google Talk, Gizmo. Uh, there's an email client on there for POP3 and IMAP4, uh, instant messaging, even video over IP calls. Uh, thirdly, it's about multimedia. So you can play videos, music, internet radio, view pictures on the device. And then lastly, it's got an integrated GPS unit, so, and it comes with maps for the whole of Europe. So it's, and you can upgrade as well to make it a navigation device. Um, so it is an, a TomTom as well. So all this in, in one little package, you must be talking big bucks. Not really. It's uh, going to be retailing for £329, available at the end of November in stores, PC World, Micro and Vika, online in Amazon, Play.com. Now, it's, it's certainly an interesting device. It's something we want to get our hands on and have a bit more play with. Hopefully we can do that a little bit further down, down the line. But Nokia are known for mobile phones. That's where your, your core business has been. So what new models do you have on your stand here? What can people come and have a play with? Well, on the stand today, it really is just the N810 internet tablet being the UK launch for this device. Um, you're quite right, Nokia traditionally used to be a mobile phone manufacturer, but we're beginning to broaden out now into internet services, and then this third category of devices, mobile internet devices. So I take it this is uh, really an area which Nokia want to get into, the, the whole uh, mobile entertainment, as you will. It's huge for Nokia. We've uh, launched a brand called Ovi, and underneath that you can go to the Nokia Music Service, which was launched in the UK yesterday. It's the iTunes equivalent from Nokia, and we're hoping it's going to be bigger and better, and it really does offer a great experience from word go. There's a new gaming platform which is launched called Engage. Uh, there's navigation services with Nokia Maps and uh, media sharing uh, services as well, uh, with sites like Twango, for example. All of these fitting under this new internet services brand from Nokia called Ovi. Well, we wish you the best of luck at the What Hi-Fi and Best of Stuff show, and uh, all the best with the 810. It looks like a, f- a fantastic little gadget. Thanks very much. With more gadgets than Q Branch. The name is Bob, James Bob. This is the AV Podcast. Well, there wouldn't be much uh, point of us covering the What Hi-Fi and Best of Stuff show without having talking to 
What Hi-Fi and Andy Kerr is here running the demonstrations again this year. So Andy, for those that haven't been able to make it along to the show, can you just explain what you've been showing? Yeah, well, we're trying to illustrate what you can achieve now with high definition. So we're using uh, the very latest version of Sim2's 1080 resolution projector with an anamorphic lens and a lovely big screen research screen. So we've got a big 130-inch cinemascope screen. Um, and then we're putting in both DVD and, of course, as you'd expect, high-definition disc formats. We've got both Blu-ray and the brand-new Toshiba HD DVD deck. Um, we're just trying to illustrate basically how good that can be. Uh, and then additionally, on top of that, we're also uh, trying to show you just what you can do with the sound. So we've gone for pretty much the biggest and most powerful home cinema system I think I've ever put into any show. Um, something in excess of £12,000 worth of Dali loudspeakers and around the same amount of money spent on Arcam power amplification. So there's nearly 2,500 watts of power amps, um, nearly a kilowatt of bass. And uh, it, it rocks. It's a pretty good, fun system. Now, you're showing uh, Transformers both on DVD and HD DVD. What was the thinking behind that for the demo, then? Well, much the same as anything else. I think you need to have an AB if you're going to go and you know, evaluate for yourself whether the equipment does the job or not. So, I mean, obviously, showing it on DVD gives those of people out there thinking... I'm not sure if IDEF is all, cra- all it's cracked up to be the chance to see that it really is. I mean, you know, DVD can look pretty good still, even on an image this large. But once you see the HD, there's no competition. It's, oh, I want that, I want that now. So what kind of comments have you been getting back? I mean, this is the second day of the show now, so uh, what kind of comments have you been getting back from the general public after seeing your demo? I think they seem to be really impressed. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, what we're here to do, as far as anything else, is try and inform, you know. I mean, a lot of people come to us with questions they want to know about what formats to buy, which one of the two is going to succeed. We can't answer that much beyond being able to say, well, it, it doesn't look like the format was going away. That's all we can say. We can be as equivocal as that. But in terms of what we can prove, we can prove that these things are definitely where they need to be now, performance-wise. Maybe a year ago with first-generation players, there were a few too many flaws for our liking. Now everything seems to be ironing itself out from that regard. Myself, I've got two players. I think that's what most enthusiasts would do. I'd have one for each. You know? And obviously, in the ideal world, I'd like somebody like Denon or Pioneer or a real high-end video enthusiast like Meridian or something like that to come out and produce an extraordinary or singing or dancing universal player that does the whole lot. That's not going to happen, at least not for the time being. So if that's the case, well, we've got to accept that there are two formats and just enjoy them and celebrate them. It's the What Hi-Fi and Best of Stuff show. It's, uh, it's certainly the, the second year that I've covered it. You're... you're you take a lot of time with your demonstrations here. Um, from a what Hi-Fi perspective, how do you see the show this year compared to, to years gone by? I've got to be honest, I've not had much of a chance to go around the show myself yet at the moment. I mean, I chatted to as many people as I could last night in the industry. I was talking to, obviously, people from Denon and Pioneer and Kelt up with a few other guys from Dali and Arkham. They seemed quite happy. They seemed to feel that yesterday went really well, that they had a good footfall in terms of people coming up to see them, the right kind of customers from their point of view. Um, I mean, from our point of view, we've been playing packed houses every single demo. I mean, we ran 15 yesterday. I think we've done six so far today. And most of the time, it's a queue around the block. I mean, at one point yesterday, around midday, we were told by security that we had to basically start doing more demos because the queue was getting too long and it was actually blocking up all the corridors. So, you know, from that point of view, that's a good thing. I mean, obviously, long term... You know, the show can only grow, you know. I mean, we hope that continued you know, interest from the public is going to make the show kind of, you know, continue to thrive and expand. But as it is, I think everybody here seems to be pretty happy. Well, it's got one of the, the highest footfalls for any show in the UK. So do you think this, this, uh, this show, the What Hi-Fi show, and uh, shows like it can, can go on as the technology moves on and, and actually 
be be a hub for people to come and, and see the latest product? Well, I hope so. I mean, at the end of the day, what we're talking about is something that's fun. It's entertainment, isn't it? So, I mean, you know, we always we we, we always find a very interesting mixed crowd that come to our demonstrations. I mean, one bunch will be you know, the dyed in the wool enthusiasts, the likes of me and the likes of you, people who have you know been into this for a decade and they want to go and get the best that they can for the money. And at the other end of the scale, you'll see a lot of women and a lot of kids. And that's the future of our business. That's the growth of our business and the celebration of our technology. So the more people who bring their families along to these things and say, look, I want that, can I have that? Then the happier we're all going to be. Um, and I think that's a really healthy thing. I mean, certainly yesterday and today, that, that, was, that was a big part of the audience. It must be said also, that's one of the reasons why we use content like Transformers and, and you know, Fantastic Four and Spider-Man. I appreciate, you know, superhero movies are a fairly one-dimensional choice, but there's no swearing and there's no extreme violence. And obviously from a family-friendly point of view, that's a really useful thing to do. Well, all the best for the rest of the show. Uh, fantastic demo again. Cool. Thank you very much. Cheers. The highest definition. definition. This is the AV Podcast. Well, here we are. A little bit strange for an AV show. We're sitting out next to the hot tub, and I'm with Jim Casside, product manager for uh, Pioneer Great Britain. Hello, Jim. Hello, Phil. How are you? I think I, I should be in the hot tub. It's freezing out here. I'm tempted to jump in. Now, uh, obviously, Pioneer are at the show. Uh, just let our listeners know what you've been showing this weekend. Well, to be honest, Phil, I mean, uh, obviously you caught up with us at the Sound and Vision show at Heathrow. And, and to be honest, we're not showing anything different to what we were showing there. I mean, obviously we've still got the lineup of our Kuro screens, and here at the Watt Hi-Fi show we're very proud of the fact we're displaying the 428, which obviously won the award for the best, best screen overall product of the year. Uh, we're also showing the Alex 508, which obviously won best over 46 inches. Um, so they're both in our, our main dem area. And the main thing people seem to be interested in is not only now looking at the obviously the picture quality of uh, the screens and indeed our Blu-ray player. And as you know, we've recently updated that with the 70A, uh, now doing Dolby Digital HD and DTS HD, including Master Audio. And a lot of interesting demonstrations of that. People want to see the differences and listen to the differences. And I must admit, I mean, it's staggering. You, you, once you get that sound done well through good speakers with the picture, it really does complete the whole package, really does. And obviously you've got your new, um, your new line of receivers as well, and amplifiers as well, which are all tuned to Air Studios. You're getting a, quite a bit of interest in them? Yeah, obviously the uh, VSX Alex 60 got a very nice review in uh, Home Cinema Choice recently, uh, which is nice to see because obviously it's been a little bit sparse on the uh, Best Buy front on receivers for us over the last couple of years, but a lot lot of effort's gone into there. And I think a lot of the key to that is, to be honest, Phil, uh, and you're right, Air Studios, we put a lot of effort into the tune and the time we spend up at Air. Uh, very exciting at the moment. I'm expecting to do the last lot of tuning on that big Sasano amplifier in the next few weeks, and hopefully we'll see that in the new year in the UK. So that's going to be quite exciting. So, uh, Jim, you've just answered the question I was going to ask there. When is this big amplifier coming out? Well, hopefully it should be in the earlier part of the new year. At the latest, it will be early spring. Uh, that's fingers crossed the way the way it should go. But of course, we haven't finished the tuning yet, and uh, you know that's that's fundamentally important. It's got to be right. Uh, but it's been encouraging so far what we've heard so far. But yeah, it's quite exciting. Yeah. Now there is a, a lack of real flagship products at the moment, especially amplifiers. Do you think that, that this new unit of, of yours is, is going to buck that trend? Well, I think obviously for the main enthusiast, I mean, when you're talking about a product that's sort of four and a half thousand pounds, it's really, in, it's feats in two camps, isn't it? The, the extreme AV enthusiast, uh, to be fair, he's going to save up his hard-earned cash to buy one. 
and of course then the, the people who've just got more money than uh, they know what to do with who are happy to just buy the best products they can afford so I think I think it'll do quite well we're quite encouraged and looking forward to introducing it and it really does then uh, I think we then need a source at that sort of price uh, maybe we'll get something like that later in the year but uh, I think then we've got if you like the complete story because with the EX speakers with that high end amplification and one of the Alex screens it really is a phenomenal picture and sound combination Jim, we're not going to keep you too long because this, uh, this hot tub looks far too tempting, doesn't it? It's freezing out here. But thank you very much for your time again and uh, best of luck for the rest of the show. Thanks a lot, Phil. I hope you enjoy it. Cheers, mate. This is the AV Podcast. So I'm with uh, Richard Thomas from Sapphire Screens and we're looking at something a little bit unusual. When you think of projection screens, especially electric uh, projection screens, you think of the long black or white box on the, on the ceiling and the screen comes down the way. Yours works a little bit differently. Tell us a little bit about it. Okay. The electric floor screen has been devised, really, for people who want a different solution. Uh, quite often, if you have a loft with sloping ceilings, it's not easy to fit in a traditional screen that comes down. Uh, the mechanism that comes up from the floor obviously makes it ideal. It's designed that you can integrate it within furniture as well. It has an IR extender on it, so you can put the casing into a bit of furniture and have it automatically pop up. So it just gives the ability to customise your finish and it gives a little bit of a wow factor as people aren't really expecting a screen to suddenly appear from the ground and uh, come up straight with a, a nice fabric on it. Now, just explain it a, a little bit for our listeners. It, it's basically one long black box that sits yep. on the floor or, yep. or is built within a rack or whatever. Yeah. Um, press a button and the screen actually comes up, up the way. Yeah. It, it actually alters a lot of the dynamics in that it comes up from the floor. You've got a very nice viewing area at the top with a black border, so you can have it right down on the floor and sit at a comfortable level. If you wish, you can actually adjust the stoppers and have it stop a little bit before the full height. So if you're sitting in your couch, you get it to your optimum height and it'll permanently then stop. You have a remote controller, so you decide you want to watch it, you press a button and your screen appears as if by magic. Now, I also stand, understand you do tab tension screens as well. Yep. So if people want to find out a little bit more about your company, if yep. they can't get down to the show this weekend, yep. where should they go and look to find out a bit more about you? Uh, if they go to sapphireav.com, that's uh, our main website, which will have all the information on the screens and specifications. Uh, the tab tension screen you mentioned, we use a Somfy motor. Uh, that gives you a five-year motor warranty. Uh, all Sapphire electric screens are channel fix, meaning they can be fitted into most situations very easily. And with the channel fix in particular, we use an American fabric, which is micro bead perforated, I think the manufacturer describes it as, which gives it an absolutely perfect finish. If you look at the back of our screens with the tab tension, it's like a sheet of glass all the way along. So for the ultimate, it's obviously not the cheapest electric screen, but if you do want the best, then our Sapphire tab tension is the way to go. Well, it's, uh, it's been great speaking to you, Richard, and uh, we'll let you back to your stand, but thanks for taking the time to speak to us. OK, thanks very much. The Real AV Talk. You're listening to the AV Podcast. So it's taken us a little while to catch up with Eric Kingdom from Sony, but uh, it's very, very nice to be sitting here now, and we've just had a demonstration of the VW60, and very impressive. Uh, so what is it that you're actually showing at the show here for those that can't make it along? Well, th th thanks for that comment. Um, it's good to catch up with you guys as well. It's, it's, it's really nice to give them the chance to talk to you. 
and thank you for coming to, to share the experience. Um, well, what we've done in this particular room, because um, we have two areas at the show, we have a main stand where we've got a lot of products, and we have a, a kind of like a high-definition home theatre demo room where we've put a 7.1 surround sound system in, and we're using a, a good Stuart screen and the new, what's been nicknamed the Black Pearl projector, which is the VPL VW60. And uh, we're using Blu-ray as the source content with several machines, and we're playing different film clips. And um, we're, uh, we're kind of doing things a little bit differently in the way we've approached the uh, multi-channel AV receiver side of it. Now, the, the VW60, it's a new model uh, for the UK. It's here to replace the 50. Lots of nice little tweaks there. Maybe you want to tell us a little bit more about that. Well, there are several things. Um, I mean, the first thing that strikes you when you look at it is the colour, because the colour is actually quite a dark charcoal kind of metallic grey, which is, I guess, why it's been nicknamed Black Pearl. There are a few things we've done to improve the performance, um, and there are some things that are different in terms of features. Um, for example, um, you have two HDMI inputs, you have an anamorphic lens adapter. So you can process an anam um, anamorphically, if you like, a 2.35 to 1 image inside the projector to get rid of the black bars. Then by using the optional lens adapter on the front, you can then display that correct aspect ratio with no, no, light, um, no black bars, top and bottom. There is other things, for example, um, it's equipped with consumer electronics control, so when you're um, HDMI connected to your other products in your system, um, you've simple operation control instead of having to operate lots of things or try to do things simultaneously um, by hand, in other words. Um, there's pixel adjustment control as well. So you might have, for example, felt sometimes in the past when you've looked at graphics or characters, there's some kind of fringing effect or something. Well, you can now compensate for it on, on this particular model. Um, it has a, a Bravia engine, um, which is the scaling display system, which is based upon our premium um, Bravia display devices. So the actual processing technology inside is, is, um, is very good. Um, it has a new remote control, newly styled remote control as well, which is quite clear to use, and obviously um, backlighting, which you can select if you're in a home theatre environment, which is useful. The fan noise um, is very, very, very good now. We, we, we've achieved levels which, to be honest, even at the high lamp setting, are really inaudible. Um, because obviously th this kind of product is targeted at somebody who's uh, certainly an enthusiast but has to live in the real world in the sense that they, they can't maybe dedicate a special room and they therefore need a product that's an obtrusive and quiet that can fit into their home quite well. And the reaction has been extremely, extremely positive and... Um, it, it, I should I count myself very lucky to be paid to sit and play movies in one sense because that's a big love of mine anyway. But, um, yeah, I'm very, very pleased with the response. Now, Blu-ray, it's a hot potato because there's two formats at the moment. But you've got, uh, you've got your players there. We're not going to go format war because we're sick to death of it as well <laughs> on the forums. Um, but you've got your new players here. Maybe you want to tell us a little bit about the, uh, the standalones. Yeah, we've two we've two new players. One that's um, well, actually, we've three players and um, four if you count PS3. Um, we've got the BDPS One E, um, which is the first model. Um, we then have the BDPS Three Hundred, which is the kind of entry level machine. 
and um, we've we've shown here as well the new BDPS 500. This is kind of like a, a bigger brother version physically in terms of height and um, in terms of positioning to the 300. It has a motorised um, front panel, which is quite nice. Um, it has uh, 24p true cinema capability, and um, obviously all the facilities that the previous model has. But in addition, um, it can decode and stream Dolby True HD and also DTS uh, HDR resolution audio and naturally Dolby Digital Plus. So it's moving towards, if you like, offering a, a more complete solution for the HD codec issue for, for audio transmission via um, HDMI to your AV receiver. Um, the uh, interesting thing is, when I say AV receiver, um, I, I have a feeling that that an AV receiver um, is obviously a critical part of any home entertainment system. It's the hub, if you like. But you can, um, obviously with these players, you can decode internally the data stream. So you can convert it to linear PCM. So the advantage with them is you have lots of options of connectability, which means that use of legacy product is, is not an issue. At least it shouldn't be. Um, and with one of the models particularly, which I actually worked on the, the tuning of, um, we took the choice of rather than trying to pack in quite costly HD decoding devices, we spent the money on the uh, analog circuit, the actual amplifier, the power supply, the chassis design, the you know grounding system, all, all the sort of classic things that make an amplifier work properly. Um, and we, we left out HD decoding. We obviously... You know, you can do Dolby Digital, you can do DDS, you've got DDS9624, yes, discrete, and so on and so on. But in terms of the HD side of it, we took the view that at the moment, because we can do it in the player, the player can make linear PCM, we can linear PCM stream uh, via HDMI to the receiver. And that's actually what we decided to, to, to show people. Um, to, because it, it's, an op, it's a way of allowing people to understand that you can buy into high definition, home entertainment, without having to change lots of components. And um, I think that's very important because Blu-ray, HD entertainment is so important for our market because we have lots of display devices being sold, um, HD 1080 product, and at the moment we don't have the content to enjoy it, unlike America and Japan. So, yes, we have Sky, uh, which is great, but... Um, these kinds of uh, you know new way of enjoying your movies on an optical disc system like Blu-ray um, means that we can begin to fill that content gap and if you like spread the word that you can get so much more from your panel than just taking it home and plugging it into the TV that you've already got. Now, um, just to to wrap up on the Blu-ray disc side, uh, are your players going to be compatible with Profile One Point One, and are the firmware updatable? The Profile Profile 1.1 um, is not updatable by a firmware. I mean, uh, it, these these kinds of products, rather like play, PlayStation 3, are, um, I mean, PlayStation 3 is, a, is a, an extremely smart computer-based device. And in many ways, um, AV receivers as well have become quite computer-focused uh, in the sense of, you know, um, 
software updates, uh, rewritable memories, EEPROMs, and so on. So we, we've got the facility to do lots of things now in terms of uprating products. In terms of moving to Profile 1.1, though, when you're talking about persistent memory or you know this kind of application, then it's a bit different. I, I, we certainly obviously are studying Profile 1.1, and we're obviously studying Profile 1.2 and so on. Um, I think that what, the, what was probably the right way for the market is to offer a variety of solutions. So I wouldn't expect um, necessarily every, for example, Blu-ray player to become automatically 1.1 as we're able to supply them. Because rather like when you buy content, um, I mean, I'm a movie buff, I love movies. Um, I don't necessarily want every time to buy every piece of content extra. Sometimes I do. I've got a lot of movies like that, double disc sets or special editions, you know. Um, but sometimes there may be, it may be enough for a player to simply play movies in high definition very, very well. So I think that, yes, that sort of product will come, and yes, we are studying it uh, very intently at the moment, but um, I still think that we can see in the future basic machines without that capability so that people can um, just simply play their movies in HD. Now, just to wrap up, Eric, um, we've got a BMW sound system in yes, here, yes. Uh, full seven channels, and it's been run by your budget amplifier, yeah. uh, which is a bit of a surprise. Sure. So maybe what was the thinking behind that? Okay. And uh, the demo material that we watched as well was discrete 7.1, so maybe you can mention a little bit about that. Yeah, sure. Um, and, uh, I mean, the reason why we... Uh, we, we, we chose particular speakers is because uh, they're an award-winning product um, from the magazine um, that's obviously responsible for the whole event. Um, it's a good product. It works well with our equipment. We've actually had a, quite a long-standing relationship with the company in turn many years ago, in fact. Um, we're using 7.1, um, and... I mean, you guys know better than many people that in actual fact, when we talk about 7.1, really it's not a discrete 7.1 system. In fact, DVD video had, has the capability via MPEG, but it's never been done, not to my knowledge, in terms of um, commercially available disc. So when we say 7.1, yes, it, it, it is a good investment. It's worth it for a large room because the same principle applies at the cinema. You need extra surround back speakers so that the sound field is more immersive, otherwise you'll end up with a hole, like listening to stereo with the speakers too far apart. But when you come to one of the um, material clips that I used, or I've been able to demonstrate to you privately, was um, with Blu-ray you can have 7.1, in other words you can have 8 channel discrete, and the capacity of the disc is so big we can put onto it um, if the studio chooses to use it, you can put on lossless coded, uh, compressed material that's losslessly coded or lossy coded, plus uncompressed linear PCM. So we, we kind of, um, I wanted to let you experience that because I think it shows the future. And when you listen to 7.1 discrete, it really is a different animal to kind of. A 6.1 system that ha a 6.1 channel system that's played through 7.1, um, and the other thing that we thought was quite interesting because shows are very much about showing your latest technology, your latest product, your latest um, 
hardware, software, whatever, is, is to say, well, we always show flagships, we, we, we flag wave. We're lucky that we've got a separate stand as well as a demo room. And what I chose to do was actually, in the demo room, put a budget receiver in. Um, and we've approached it by demonstrating the product and then at the end telling people what they're listening to. And 100% of the time it's been quite a look of surprise. Um, because, again, at the end of the day, the reality is that people who buy into home cinema don't always have a limitless budget and don't always have a dedicated room. It's great if you do. Um, and I think that it's, it's given a way of maybe perhaps giving people a bit of buying confidence that you can buy wisely, buy well, and enjoy your home cinema. And uh, <clears throat> just to wrap up, you have another stand here at the show yeah. which has all the latest panels. Maybe you can quickly go through what, what's available upstairs. Oh, yeah, okay, I, if I can remember. <laughs> uh, the first thing you'll see is there are a couple of very large rabbits, <laughs> a blue one and a yellow one. So if you hit the stand and you go in there, don't think you've had a little too much the night before. Um, I have a list here, but I'm not going to actually read all of it because it's quite extensive. Um, but we've, we've shown, for example, our new V3000 panels, which are our entry-level HD1080, finished in black gloss. Very nice product, um, looking considerably more, shall we say, um, more valuable than they actually are because they're an entry-level HD1080 product. They've gone down really well, and we've, we've got one of those right at the front on the all-in-one home system um, digital amplifier-based multi-channel rack, which actually looks just like a cabinet, but there are speakers built into it and an amplifier and everything. And then we've got the W3000 range, 40, 46, and 52-inch sizes. And we've also chosen to show the X3500, which is based on the new 3000 sort of flagship model, but with removable bezel. So you can change the visual look of the product quite nicely. And then right at the back, uh, we've shown for the first time our 70-inch X3500. This is quite a, a, a heck of a panel, believe me. I mean, it's almost my size, laid down diagonally, if you like. Um, that uses LED backlighting and um, has motion flow technology and our best Bravia engine processing system. And um, we've got my Blu-ray players playing through all these devices, so you can get some kind of idea of the quality. There's the new open um, Walkmans, I say open in inverted commas. These products can now be used with simple drag and drop and um, work with any PC that's got M Microsoft Windows Media Player. Very simple to operate, easy to use, um, come with video playback as well, or JPEGs, um, camcorders, high-definition cameras and camcorders, um, DVD recorders, um, home theatre systems that are in a, a simple 2.1 configuration, and a remarkable little product called the IS-10, um, which uses loudspeakers the size of small golf balls. Um, and that's quite an amazing sound. Clever technology and digital signal processing means that you would normally sound, they would sound like tweeters, but they actually don't when you have a listen to them. Um, so if you haven't seen it, take a view. We might even buy you a coffee. Well, it's, uh, it's been great catching up with you. Um, all the best for the rest of the show. And if uh, people can't make it down to the show, uh, where can they get more information on your products? Okay, they can get uh, information by 08705 111199 or they can visit the Sony website www.sony.co.uk
Eric, thank you for taking the time. Great to see you again, and all the best. Thank you very much. It's great to see you, and I wish we got together earlier. Let's make it sooner next time. That's all for part one of our podcast, and stay tuned for part two, which will follow very shortly. The AV Podcast was presented by Phil Hinton. Original music by Andrew Bassett and Richard Cosgrove. The AV Podcast was mixed and produced by Phil Hinton, and the senior producer was Stuart Wright. All content, including sound clips and music, is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Podcast is copyright M2M Limited.